right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a low right now. You don't got time that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. And on today's show, it's going to be our final normal show till Thursday. We will... uh be doing a bunch of United Way Day of Giving stuff on tomorrow's show. We're going to be doing a Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic show on Thursday. So on today's show, we're going to be joined by the voice of the Jayhawks. He's going to join us in studio in about 10 minutes from right now. We also will have Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports join us in the 4 o'clock hour. Got to get to some KU basketball talk. Uh, we have a ticket giveaway, a couple tickets I'm giving away to the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. You can enter that. You still got about an hour um, at RCST1320 on Twitter. Just like the tweet and uh, some other fun segments. I'm going to be doing a top 10 list in the 4 o'clock hour. People who are bad at their job. This is not individuals. I'm not going to be like plucking. <laughs> I'm not going to be, you know, actually so naming it, people. It's not going to be like number one, Nick. No, no, it's not going to be that. <laughs> it's going to be like generalities. Like, uh, here, I'll just say the honorable mention one. Mall cops. What do mall cops do? I don't know. They didn't Dude, get on the list, mall though. Mall cops are great at their jobs. I, they... They they patrol the streets of the mall. Okay. All right. Well, uh, yeah, we'll get to that in the 4 o'clock hour. Well, off the top here, though, Kansas is another new player. And once again, it is a walk-on. That would be one Patrick Cassidy, who uh, is a former team manager. I mean, that's that's just kind of a cool, you know, heartwarming story. You go from team manager to walk-on. A little bit of a a Chris Huey action to it. Do you remember Chris Huey? No. So Chris Huey, and by the way, this actually... I don't know if I should spoil this. Um, maybe know Chris Huey's number for a future edition of RCST Trivia Questions if it gets to that point, uh, but we'll just leave it at that. I would get that wrong. Um, so Chris Huey was a manager, but he's like, he was like six foot eight or something like that. Oh. And he, after his hard work of being a manager, on senior day, KU allowed him to suit up. And he got in. I, I don't remember if he got in. The, I think he did get in the game. What year was this? It was just one game. Uh, that's a wonderful question. I don't know. Six, seven years ago, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, it wasn't too long ago. Uh, it, it was relatively recent. But anyway, Patrick Cassidy, he's just going to be a walk-on for good. So KU adds to the walk-on class. And you know what? I was, yeah. I was thinking about this the other day. Well, this kind of builds into our conversation we had yesterday about just add yeah, as, as many, many as walk-ons you as you want. But okay, think about it like this. When, when KU has 13 scholarship players... Yes. They typically have three or four walk-ons, right? Sure. Which basically tells you that if the they only have staff, 10, they need like seven. Yes, cuz uh, basically they're looking for that tells you between 16 to 17, maybe even 18 players on the roster. At some point you just need bodies. Exactly, bodies to practice with because you have to scrimmage against yourself. You have to <laughs> rotate guys in, right? You need yes. bodies. Yes. So if you're trying to get up to minimum 16 and you only have 10 scholarship players right now, what does that mean? You got to add a bunch of uh, walk-ons, right? So now yes. this is, um, this is what walk-on number six. It's a lot of walk-ons. Yeah, we did the walk-on power ratings yesterday. Do you want to revise anything? Hmm. 
knowing nothing, but <laughs> the fact that he was a manager, I'll put him fourth. Patrick Cassidy, I'll put him fourth. So who are the two he's ahead of? Uh, McCarthy and... I think Steven. you had Justin Cross in your bottom two. No, no, no. I had Justin Cross in my it? top two. Okay. Because Justin Cross is a national champ. The only other guy that's a walk-on... I guess they're all national champs, actually. Yeah. If they were all on the team two years ago. Okay, so so I wonder if this has all the numbers on it. Wilder Evers averaged 12 points, 4.5 rebounds, 3 assists per game his senior year. That involved his third straight trip to the uh, state quarterfinals at the high school level. Okay? So that's Wilder Evers. Okay. Um, we mentioned Dylan Wilhite. I told you he averaged like 18 and 12 his last year. So That's I, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty solid. Um, let's see. Charlie McCarthy averaged 11.5 points per game. His junior, oh no, his senior year, he averaged 16 and a half points, eight rebounds, five assists. Okay, there we go. His senior year at wow. Shadow Hills High School in Indio, California. He was a team captain, too. Where's the, okay, you're the California is this, guy. Where I, is that I actually don't know where that is. Bro, what? You're from California. Do you realize how, you how big that? California is? How do you not know so many where cities, every single so town and city and whatever in California is? How do you not know that? I, I'm sorry. That's I'm where sorry. you're from. Uh, I will say this, though, uh, and, and I feel comfortable saying this, and I know this might be a high bar, and I know it's classic for radio people to blaspheme and to say things that are, uh, you know, what, hot takes, so to speak. You're about to say something insane, aren't you? I don't even know if it is insane, but I'm just going to say it anyway because it's fun, and there's okay. no way to prove this against me. Okay. This is the greatest collection of walk-ons that KU basketball has ever had. <laughs> <laughs> What if, like, Wilt Chamberlain was a walk-on? That's true. What if, like, in the 1940s, like, yes. Charlie Black, who's, yes. like, in the, has his jersey in the rafters. Was like a walk-on Because they year. just didn't give out athletic yeah. scholarships at the time? That's I don't a, know. You might have just made a really I bad might have. claim. I'm going to stick with it. I mean, uh, whatever. What's the worst thing that can happen? All right. Uh, we're going to take a time out here. Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, is going to join the show coming up next. We're going to talk a little Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. We uh, have the rosters, and I'm excited for uh, some of the players that are going to be a part of this, as always, each and every year. Once again, the game is going to be on Thursday. We're going to be doing a show. It sounds like now the live part of our show might not be till like 5 to 7 at Free State High School. Um, and then we'll yeah. air the game. We want it to be live the whole time. Yes, but, we, but there's some other stuff going sure on there. If that's possible. Yeah, and then uh, we'll air the game at 7 here on KLWN. Then on Friday is the Celebrity Dinner. Saturday is the Rock Chalk Round Bowl Classic. If you're interested in still going, you can get tickets at the 23rd Street Brewery. Here in Lawrence, you can get tickets at your local Jefferson's or Johnny's if you live in the Topeka or Kansas City area. And if you're looking for some of the other stuff or if you just want to donate and can't make it this year, uh, check out their website with rockchalkroundballclassic.com. It's all one word spelled exactly like you think, rockchalkroundballclassic.com. Right, Wait, B how do you spell rock chalk? I'm not going <laughs> to dignify that with an answer. B. Haney joins us next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We're joined now in studio by the voice of the Jayhawks with Brian Haney. And I guess at this time of year, the founder for the uh, Rock Chalk Roundball Classic here. Uh, yeah, I, I have the rosters in front of me for the two teams. Me and Nick were uh, discussing between the break. And uh, I think we put Team Blue as the early favorite. Slight favorite. Maybe, because Team Red just lost a former lottery pick in the last hour. So I think before that, it might have been a dead heat neck and neck. Well, what I said, I, I thought Team Crimson had the better lead guards, 
and I think Team Blue just has more big men to throw at you. Silvio DeSosa, uh, Mitch Lightfoot, Jeff Graves hit the game-winning shot last yeah. year, right? Like, we'll see what happens with Doak and stuff. That I, I, I wonder, because this isn't an event that typically the big men carry the water, right. you know? And I was joking about it with Cole last Friday that I said, I, I think if, if one of the big men decided, if they really wanted to, they could score as many points as possible because how many times do they get the offensive rebound they'll just kick it out? Because it's, yeah. it's part of the fun, right? Sure. Cole told us on, on that Friday, he was like, well, I think maybe we could go for 40 then, you know? So like who if, knows? Like if a big man yeah. really wanted to. If a big man really just, wanted to, I think they could Cole take could over. have the first recorded triple-double in a KU game <laughs> yeah, and in Round right? Ball Classic if he really wanted to. I think to. it'd be tough to get the blocks. True. <laughs> but but the assists on the yeah. kickouts. Yeah. Um, so but Cole is the name that right now may be turning into a doubtful. He's got a family situation that's arisen and this is common for our game. You know, in the summertime stuff comes up, so every once in a while we lose a star or two. Because of that, I don't know. I'm gonna have to talk to Coach Greg Ostertag. Mm. who is the head coach of that team with all those bigs. Predictably, the big man gets the big man lo- right. loaded team. I might have to see if we can orchestrate a trade of some sort. <laughs> and I, I don't know who we send him, but with the dearth of, of bigs of Graves, Azubuki, Lightfoot, Silvio right. Sosa, and you look over on the other side, and, it, and there's Darnell Jackson looking back at you. But now with the loss of Cole Aldrich potentially, they are pretty thin in the post. But how about the guards on the Crimson team? you got yeah. Levon Dotson. I, by the way, do, do you want to just unveil this, or how do you, how do you want to go about doing it? That was totally up to you because I didn't want to necessarily steal away anything that wasn't there, <laughs> but we can go through it right now. Let, let's start with the Crimson team. So you got Jeff Hawkins, Devon Dotson, Sharon Collins, Keith Langford, kind of starting things off. Yeah, no doubt. Langford once scored 47 points in this game. Oof. And uh, obviously just retired from professional mm-hmm. basketball, but this will be a chance for him to show – and still, get back in because he's going to be playing in the TBT yeah. here in a month. Exactly. So we're excited about that. Svima Luke obviously can fill it up. He could go for 30 on any given night. Trent Green makes his basketball debut, the three-time Pro Bowl Kansas City Chiefs quarterback, former Super Bowl champion. So did he tell you at all about his basketball skills? or do you, I mean, what are you expecting? I don't know much. I professional athlete though. So that's true, yeah. I, I saw him hit a seven iron about two hundred yards yesterday. So I'm thinking he's one of those guys that's like good at everything. Yeah. Uh but yeah. quarterbacks usually tend to be. He did tell me that his brother Troy, who owns and operates the Dominoes here in town, told him he was nuts for going up <laughs> okay. against these guys. And actually it's funny you referenced the bigs earlier. Troy told Trent, hey, those bigs are going to eat you alive. And guess what? Trent's on the all-guard team, and the, uh, yeah. the bigs are going to be guys on the side. Well, hey, you got, I mean, Speed did a great job on Marvin Bagley in the Elite Eights. That's Worst true. race, you play yeah. him at the four. That's a great yeah. point. Great point. So, yeah, uh, Trent Green and Speed both wearing number 10 on the Crimson team. Chris Tehan on the Crimson team. He'll That's have a wild card for this. Is it? I okay. can see for, him hitting three or four points? threes. He's got yeah. a real good jump shot. You get in an open gym. Okay, I also wanted to ask about the two tens thing. Just neither one. One of them wanted to give up ten. No, you know what? We used to That's typically, we used yeah. to try to stagger it, but truth of the matter is, like we've had some years where just based on the player coming back, we've had like four threes, and so it put all, all four on there. Uh, but yeah, that's okay. I don't think it's going to confuse yeah, the play by play. Been a popular one. You got Elijah, yep. Mario Chalmers, a lot of guys. Coming no back. doubt, no doubt. And fifteen is a big theme this year, obviously, and mm-hmm. we'll talk about Bud Stallworth here in a second. But uh, but yeah, Tyrell Reed he scored thirty seven in the same game that. 
Keith Langford had 47. So he's still very capable. 34 years old. If you follow Tyrell on social media, it's his goal on his birthday every year as he gets increasingly older to prove that he can still dunk. <laughs> now, I just turned 43 last week. I don't know what my equivalent goal would be. Maybe that I can hit a tee shot, you know, 200 yards with each passing year. But he's dunking. How many of your friends are doing that in their mid-30s? And Let alone now in right, your 20s. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So what should my goal be? Like 100 push-ups? I don't know. I don't know. We've got to come up with that. Okay. We'll, we'll think on it. Tyrell is that, you know, approaching middle age hero for all of us that he can still do these things. Well, see, if, if you get a goal and then it's going to kind of water down and then we're going to have to get a goal. So, <laughs> well, and Tyrell was the guy that Cole told us last week was yeah, the one did. that would always be scoring the most amount of points. Yeah, like, we asked would Cole be, uh, about the, our points draft. Yeah, like, do which, uh, what do you say, Tyrell? Take and he okay. Said Tyrell. Yeah. Okay. They're best friends, by the way. Mm -hmm. But uh, but that's a great pick. Brandon Rush, great wing scorer, All American. He went World off a champion. couple years ago when he was uh, the event that uh, was at Eudora, I think. That yep, yep, he went off. So he'll be playing Darnell Jackson. That's the lone big on that roster, unless you want to include Brandon McAnderson mm -hmm. as a big. Uh, but uh, B-Mac and Kylie Kopadich, a former 1,000-point career scorer. Devontae Graham is on that team. There was some hope maybe two months ago that he might be a player slash coach, but he's rehabbing an injury not yet cleared for activity. That would have been yet another guard on a guard-loaded yeah. team had he been able to play. But instead, he'll be offering pointers and coaching up his best friend, Svi Mikhailuk, <laughs> as a assistant coach. He didn't want to be a head coach. At one point, we talked about him being a head coach. said, nah, let somebody else do that. <laughs> so, so who's going to be the head coach? We referenced this on last week's show. Bud Stallworth, a guy that has meant so much to so many in Jayhawk Nation, including those of us here at the Great Plains Media family, as a co-host of this very show for about six years, Bud Stallworth. He was our original round ball coach. He's the winningest coach in round ball history. Bud is going through some health challenges right now, and uh, we decided that it was time in the midst of, of his current fight that... Uh, you know, he gets celebrated a little bit because we thought that might pump him up. And specifically, his wife, Robin, thought that might pump him up and lift his spirits. And so while Bud can't physically be with us at the game on Thursday, Robin is going to be there to represent him. She's going to wear his number 15 for our 15th round ball classic. And we've got some cool surprises planned around that, including the dedication of the round ball trophy as now the Bud Stallworth trophy, kind of like the Lombardi or yeah. something like that. We're going to do that at halftime. I've got a special trumpet player who's going to play the alma mater because Bud, after all, came to Kansas at band camp and, and was you know here playing the trumpet when he got discovered playing pickup at Robinson's gym. So it's kind of fitting. And then how about this? Um, two guys that wore 15 at Kansas, believe it or not, well, you think of Tyshawn as 10. He started at 15. Um, and then Elijah wore 15. They both run some youth academies. Yeah. And, and they're going to have eight guys on one side, seven on the other. A total of 15 youth. That's the synergy number here. They're going to be there as ball boys, seven or eight on each side. We're going to bring them out there at halftime, and we're going to you know, dedicate the trophy to Bud. We're going to play the trumpet, alma mater, that would, Bud would have loved. We're going to sing America the Beautiful, which is one of his favorite songs. And then Robin Stallworth is going to look into the eyes of those 15 boys and decide who gets to wear number 15 in the second half. Who reminds you, Robin, the most of young Bud? 
you know, you have these TV shows now, young, yeah. young whatever. What, what's what's the example? Uh, from young Bo- Sheldon. Young yep. Sheldon. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask Robin, who is Young Bud? Mm. You, you've seen these guys. You see the swagger. You see the killer smile, the charisma. Who's Young Bud? And that's tough because there is no other Bud. There really isn't. But one of a kind. But but we'll, we'll see who she. Picks. I feel like Devonte would have been the easy answer if he were playing. Right. In terms but, of, yeah. But in this case, she's going to pick a kid. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the players on the team. Yeah, yeah okay. No, no, that's yeah, why you were yeah, looking at the roster. Kid. He was yeah, pouring over there. Yeah. No, so so the 15 kids from Tyshawn and Elijah's basketball okay. academy oh, I see now. Will, will line up. And rather than doing the uh, the knockout, which that's is awesome. always fun but takes too long, they're going to pick uh, you know, which kid reminds her of, of young Bud. How about that? I love that. So, so he'll play in the second half, uh, whoever that is designation proves to be all right moving on so the, the uh, yeah, rest of the coaches you know oh, so yeah, yeah, assisting right. robin is calvin thompson who was the longtime uh rival coach of bud in this game beat him a couple of times if you ask bud he never lost to him but uh, those two will join forces calvin thompson and robin stallworth representing bud yeah billy thomas as an assistant coach Devonte graham how about that two of your top three three-point shooters all time right there on the same bench um, David Lawrence of the Jayhawk Network, Oscar Rodriguez. He's yeah. one of the KU football analysts who's beaten cancer not once but twice. This is a cause near and dear to his heart. We're thrilled he's going to be there. Ray Bouchard, Hall of Fame volleyball coach, is going to be in the house. And Steven Vinson, who, uh, like Jeff Graves, has hit a buzzer beater to win this game. He'll be back coaching this year. Now on the blue side, Wayne Selden is going to be our uh, number one jersey player to tip off the top of the roster there in numerical order. Connor Tehan, who will play specifically when Chris Tehan is on the Yeah, I like that little matchup. Got to lock those two down and and put them on each other and see who gets bragging rights (laughs) in the family. Um, Russell Robinson will be uh, back again this year, as is for the first time Akib Tlaib. So there you go with dual jersey numbers again, two number threes, Russ Robb and Akib Tlaib. Then a name you might not know, uh, we auctioned off one spot in the Round Ball Classic this year at last year's Celebrity Dinner, and Jared Pyle, who's actually a high school basketball coach and a big KU booster and enthusiast from down in the uh, Frontenac area, he's going to be up for the game, and he will wear the number eight and play on that team. Tyshawn Taylor will be our number 10. That was the number he was more famous for. Elijah Johnson wore 15. He's back. He's playing with Elijah. Silvio Di Soso we referenced earlier. How about Ben McLemore? He'll be there as well. And he's the uh, the leading scorer from, again, my data, 36 points per game. He wasn't here last year, so I could see him you know, wanting to get back up with it. Making up for lost time. I like that. He's actually the first of our flight guys to arrive. Okay. Like based on the itineraries, he's getting in the earliest. So is he going straight to the gym to get up shots? Probably not. <laughs> but for what it's worth, he's getting in the soonest, and he's going to try to hold that bar to the high level that you just referenced at 36 points a game. Natalie Knight-Johnson, another 1,000-point career scorer for KU Women's Basketball, also the better half of Elijah Johnson. Maybe she gets to play alongside her husband. Yeah. I don't think we've ever put him on the same team before, so that'll be interesting. Well, shoot, eventually she could become a coach. I mean, she's coaching at the uh, NAIA level, yes. and who knows? She could uh, at, at Kansas, absolutely. Uh, Michael Lee, Mike Lee shoot the three. He's back. Yudoka Azubuki, who coached a year ago. Uh, we've got him in as a player. 
player this year. Hopefully he can give us a few minutes. Jeff Graves, the gravy train, who hit the game winner at mm-hmm. the buzzer last year. He had like 18, too. How about that? Almost like the 16 and 16 he had versus Syracuse yeah. in the title game. And then Mitch Lightfoot rounding it out, although we might have to work a trade uh, to get him on the Red Squad after today's potential loss of Cole Aldrich. Greg Ostertag is the head coach. Uh, he, he has not seen this roster yet. When he sees the big man depth, he's going to love it. He'll probably use that as leverage to uh, make sure I don't make that trade I want to make. Uh, Alonzo Jamison, an assistant coach, former teammate in the early 90s there of Greg's. You got uh, Brad Witherspoon, now coaching out in Dodge City, doing a great job. Daryl Stuckey, Patrick Ritchie, and then the six-time Pro Bowl defensive end, Neil Smith, as a coach. There was a thought that he might have a chance to play, but he's recovering from an injury as well. And uh, sore hip's going to keep him on the sidelines as a coach. But who knows? Maybe he'll have fun this year coaching and decide he wants to lace him up next year. Yeah, that's that's always uh, a fun part of this when you see guys who do it for the first time and then they want to come back and, and do it times after. So I, I kind of teased we're going to be doing our points draft uh, on Thursday. It'll be me, Nick, and a couple other people around the station. And um, we just kind of have fun with it. But... If you had to circle a couple guys that you always are intrigued by thinking that, I don't know, maybe they could go off in this specific game or any dark horse type candidates, uh, what, what I guess, insider info would you give just me and Nick, not, yeah. not the other guys? Who are not, not that you need it, <laughs> yeah. but but I, I think Selden and, and Macklemore obviously stand out on the blue team. As much as they're loaded at the big man position, this game really is about the the showy plays on the perimeter and the dunks. Mm-hmm. It's it's drives, dunks, and, and three-pointers, right? And so uh, I would say those two on the blue squad. On the red squad, like I said, Lankford, I don't want to call him old man Lankford, but the recently retired Keith Lankford, I think, wants to yep. show he's still got it. And, uh, you know, we'll see how much Brandon Rush plays, but he's obviously a guy that can fill it up, too. I would say that that, that backcourt combo, though, of Dotson and Lankford have a chance to really stand out. Dotson didn't post big numbers last year, but uh, a guy that's been on two different NBA teams, been duking it out in the G League. Maybe he wants to make a headline on Thursday night. We'll see. But you're right. The the loss of Cole potentially today makes that Crimson squad needing something. So uh, they've got an extra assistant coach. You think Ostertag would let me trade like, uh, I don't know, Steven Vincent and a coach to be named later for one of his bigs? <laughs> I think so. Uh, you could do some uh, a future pick. Yeah, future pick. You could, future uh, pick. Yeah. <laughs> what do they do? They do cash trades and they want to give them a dollar Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> cash consideration. <laughs> I don't know. You know the, the cool thing is, thanks to the generosity of Kent and Missy McCarthy and name, image, and likeness, the current team at Kansas will be there for the Friday and Saturday events. Some may come as fans on Thursday, but they're going to be a part of the Friday dinner and the Saturday bowling. I almost wish, and I know I can't, so I shouldn't even speak it into existence, but think of a big man or two I could yeah. borrow off that team if that was possible. <laughs> Suddenly the Red Squad would be locked and loaded. Oh, yeah. Am I right? Oh, yeah. And uh, I think a lot of people would be very, very intrigued by yeah. the actual scrimmage part to like actually scout some stuff. I, I, I'm always curious in this event because you have had a lot of former players come back to where there isn't a lot on the list that, that haven't necessarily of, of the guys you think of, but do you have a white whale? That, that you've always wanted to get that maybe it just hasn't worked out yet? Everybody always asks about Paul Pierce, and, and eventually that's going to happen. It hasn't worked out you know, in some recent seasons when he was doing NBA Finals coverage, and the dates have just never been great. The second most commonly asked about one is just not realistic, and that's Joel Embiid. Okay. When you're a $200 million man, <laughs> they don't let you play in these kind of games. Yeah. Right? Um, I, I've always been curious about Rafe LaFrance because that has been someone who has kind of just retired off to the sunset and just yeah. doing his thing, which you never blame him for. But, um, you know, 
kind of that era of KU. Like, you don't get Jock Vaughn. He's doing NBA stuff. But I, I, I don't know. Like, have, have any of those guys, uh, has there been kicked tires to some point? with? Oh, yeah. Like I actually yeah. wrote a handwritten letter once to uh, the last known address we had for Rafe LaFrance <laughs> trying to get him to play. And and this isn't meant to be a, a critical comment at mm-hmm. all, but he's one of those guys who's just a little more introverted. Yeah. And Scott Pollard, former host of this show, used to always talk about his good buddy Rafe and how, as you said, what would you say? He's kind of gone off, off in the sunset. Right in the yeah, sunset. sunset. Well, I, I well, think Pollard, he's in Iowa somewhere, exactly. just living the life. That's exactly what he's his, doing. His, yeah, it's time so, off. So the way you described it was off into the sunset. The way Pollard said it was, he's off on a tractor in La Frencia, which, <laughs> which is a big plot of farmland in Iowa. And Pollard called it La Frencia. <laughs> uh, you know, we were able to get Heinrich to, to play in the three-point shootout in the virtual year yeah, during right. the pandemic. I'd love to get him actually in the game, but the three-point shootout was more his style. So there's certain guys that we definitely try. And don't think for a second we haven't tried with some of these guys. Right. But a lot of it is availability. Some of it is personality. For some guys, they're, they're not looking to get back out there as much again because they kind of like their... Anonymity, yeah. Exactly. Great word. Um, so, yeah, those would be the ones that would top the list. But, you know... We'll see. I, I think, uh, like I said, there'll be a time Paul Pierce finally comes into this game. Yeah. Maybe eventually, like 15 years from now, we get Joel. But for the people that send me those emails on a regular basis, I wish I could. Yeah. But uh, we can't afford to pay his insurance policy if he were to go tough. down. Yeah. yeah, a little tough. Uh, beyond the, the roster and the players and everything, how about the roster of the recipients? So yeah. we've got Nolan, Raven, Ismail, Lily, Hunter, and Hayden. What can you tell us about the six, uh, I don't know, I player roster or whatever the the beneficiary kids yeah Yeah. so it's always been the starting five Mm -hmm. and this year in our 15th year we decided as a tip of the cap to the best sixth man in all of college basketball we would name a sixth and uh, if you scroll down a little bit further on the program i sent you you have seven future stars and the future stars were kiddos that were finalists but ultimately didn't get picked folks ask all the time how do kids get picked Here's the honest truth. You've got a, a board of 14, 14 different people voting on this, and the biggest factors we look at are financial need and has there been another fundraiser done for you already? Because honestly, we want to take the money to the families where it's going to make the biggest impact. And so uh, some of these kids ended up being just on the outside looking in of beneficiaries because they might have had something done for them already, or in a couple of cases, um, they actually got to ring the bell as a cancer. Awesome, yeah fighter that won. Yeah. So um, we're going to still celebrate them and they still get to be there and and they don't know this, but they're going to get a sizable check that night. And then later in the fall and winter, we talked about the new round ball classic benevolence fund, which will be able to bless kids year round one per month. We pick a kid who gets to go to a game with a former KU star. So they'll get that interactive experience that the round ball classic gives you. But this time it's at Allen Fieldhouse or it's at the booth or something like that. And then at the end of that night, they'll also get a check. So um, there's a total of 13 kids that you're going to get to meet on um, Thursday night. And what's really cool is of the 15 years we've done this, you know, we're, we're now approaching 60 kids we've been able to benefit all time. But uh, of the 15 years we've done it, we're going to have 111 total family representatives back. So that's the kids, their parents, that sort of thing. But Baby J's Legacy of Hope, which is one of our great partners, another pediatric cancer organization here locally, they have um, purchased 111 tickets for round ball alumni, the kids and their parents to come back. So think about that. That's roughly a 15th of the crowd 
that'll be on hand representing 15 years of the families. So that's pretty cool, too. Very, very cool. Uh, when you look at what's still available uh, at this point in time, probably dwindling down a little bit in terms of what people can still make it out to or what's, uh, I guess, ticket availability and stuff, uh, what is still open if anybody yeah. wants to get involved at this point in time? You know, I told Hank Booth this morning that we were sold out on the dinner and only had uh, three bowling teams left. We actually had somebody have a, a medical emergency today and had to bow out of their dinner table. So I've got one table left to sell on Friday night. That's 30-plus former KU alumni and the entire current team that's in town is going to be there. Bill Self's going to be there. Five guys up on stage telling the untold stories of KU hoops. This year's theme for the Friday night round ball round table, a Monday night in April. All five guys on stage have been involved in a Monday night in April. Okay, there's your theme. You can connect the dots on that. All right. <laughs> then Saturday, uh, we've got 30 lanes of bowling at Royal Crest. That's uh, presented by Jefferson's and hosted by Royal's Cre Royal Crest Lanes. And uh, we've got, I believe, three upwards of four teams available there. Uh, Travis Goff just committed today, so the head hawk's going to be rolling balls with his kids out there, which will be fun. But uh, great group, again, of talented KU alumni, but also the entire current men's basketball team. So you might bowl with Devontae one game and Hunter Dickinson the next game. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Isn't that worth yeah. a $500 donation for a team sponsorship? So for your 500 bucks, four folks get to bowl. Your fifth bowler is a celebrity. You get a t-shirt, swag bag, all that. And you get to spend an hour with two different celebrities for a total of a two-hour experience. Food provided by Jefferson's bowling provided by Royal Crest Lanes. And I do want to thank Johnny's, by the way, the presenting sponsor for the Friday dinner. Okay. And for the the tickets itself, again, 23rd Street Brewery in Lawrence, we yep. got Johnny's and Jefferson's in Topeka and Kansas City. Will there be any, I, I feel like this always comes up game day. I'll get people hitting me up on like social media and stuff. Can we buy tickets at the door? Can we buy tickets at the door? Um, is that just going to be kind of a, if we have them, we'll, we'll sell them. But if we're sold out, then kind of out of luck. That's probably the best way to phrase yeah. it, actually. You know, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, if you're telling me, Brian, can you sell out yeah. and 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 say, hey, we're, we're sold out in advance by having them available at six different locations around the area, then yeah, that's ideal. If I find out at 2 o'clock on Thursday that there's 40 extra tickets in downtown KCMO, yes, somebody's going to drive over there and bring them to us, and we'll make that notification online. But, you know, while that might be frustrating to some, understand it's our goal to sell out. Right. And, and, you know, I guess the, the way to beat that is buy Just tickets for the last yeah. month. Uh, you know, go to one of these great locations that we just referenced. Uh, they're still there at all those places you just mentioned. So Jefferson's in Lenexa and Topeka, Johnny's in Power and Light, Olathe and Topeka, and 23rd Street Brewery right here in Lawrence. Awesome. Well, Brian, I appreciate the time, man. I, I know this is a busy couple days for you. We'll uh, see you around, kind of running around on Thursday. But uh, if I don't get a chance to say hi or anything, we, we appreciate you putting this on every year. We appreciate you being a part with the radio station and everything. And uh, we look forward to, once again, an, an awesome event from both uh, the game itself and all these great athletes back to, to what this means to the community and these families. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. I appreciate you guys donating your time and talents. And Derek was a very generous resource giver last year as well. I know tomorrow's a big day of giving here at Great Plains Media. I am going to go out to Jefferson's. Mm -hmm. So if you'll let me call in for five minutes, we'll do it. Let's do it. Because um, we sure. will have our Eat to Earn promotion at both Jefferson's locations, Mass Street and Wakarusa. 50% of total sales tomorrow at those two locations 
Wins goes to round ball. So I'll be out there. I don't know if we'll have a wing eating contest since you guys won't be there to broadcast it, but I'll be out there. And if I can get that trade orchestrated with Greg Ostertag on a big man, we'll have that breaking scoop for you right here. Sound okay, good? I love it. We'll plan on that tomorrow. Go out to Jefferson's tomorrow. Get your food. Tell them you're there for the round ball classic and everything. Brian, see you around, man. All right, thanks, guys. All right, that's Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks for the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Kevin Flaherty will join the show at about 4.40. Coming up on our next segment, we'll give away a pair of tickets to the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. Just go to our Twitter page, at RCST1320, like the tweet, and we will uh, give it away to a random person. Right now, though, I have a top 10 list of people who are bad at their job. Again, these are not, I'm not singling people out. I'm not going to be like, like. Groups of people. Yeah, like, I know the popular one right now would like what? be like uh, Mark Davis. Did I say that right? The the, the owner of the Raiders? No. Oh, gosh. That's, that's not right, is it? Oh, gosh. Uh, Mark Jackson? Mark Jackson. Gosh. What is wrong with me? From NBA Finals? Yeah. People do not like how negative like the NBA color commentators are. That's not where I'm going with this. And, you know, do with it what you want on that. I'm going more generalities. I mentioned the honorable mention earlier, mall cops. What exactly do they do? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, fine. Yeah. But that's okay. So They're Mark there Jackson. for a reason. Okay. He's on the list. No, he is not. Oh, he's not on the list. <laughs> Into the top 10. Number 10. Baseball hitters. Baseball hitters objectively Wait, are bad what? at their job. How do you think figure? about it? Because they fail way more than they succeed. So you're just saying that if you fail, then you're bad? If you fail more than you succeed. Dude, how are you supposed to succeed without then failing a little bit? I mean, if you hit 300, that means seven out of 10 times you're failing, though. It's one thing to be like, oh, I'm so sorry I made a couple mistakes today. It's another to be like, I made seven mistakes today, but I did three things right. That would be the equivalent if, because we have basically like nine segments per show. So if I screwed up three of the, or seven of the Six six of the the nine segments. segments. Yes. Would you fire me? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't. I, okay. I, I would think thank I would be you. a loving, caring person. Uh, okay. But yeah, thank you. I would be a little ticked off about it. Yeah, but if I... Two-thirds of the show was I'm, bad. If I'm consistently that, then that's good because <laughs> I'm consistent. Okay. No, baseball hitters, man. They got to get better. Got to start hitting 500 or better. Number nine. Number nine, refs, officials, umpires, whatever yeah. sport it is. Yeah, this is... Yeah. Now, I didn't want to put them higher. I will say, to the yeah, credit... because this is kind of a cop-out, really. Yeah, like, it Everyone is. hates officials, refs, They whatever. do. And I, I actually try to stick up for them. Yeah, I'll be honest. I probably would be comfortable not putting them in the top 10 because I do think there's a lot more that they get right than they get wrong, but you don't... That's the thing. You only remember what they got exactly. wrong. Exactly. It's not like if you're rooting for your basketball team and they make a crazy three or they hit an awesome dunk, you're clapping and you remember the play. Yes. You don't remember the play when the official called the correct foul yes. on a block charge or on a shooting foul or something. Yes. You just well, remember also, the bad. You think get about, mad it. about it. If an official is right every single time, but then he gets one call wrong in yep. like the last two minutes of a game, all anybody's he must about. be terrible. Yes. He must have gotten everything wrong. Yes. So I put it on there for nine for uh, the, the respect of others, but I have more respect <laughs> than that personally for the officials. Number eight. Uh, number eight, pro sports commissioners. Is there a single pro sports commissioner that is well liked that is well regarded maybe Adam Silver yeah but I don't I don't know I think people don't like Adam Silver either maybe as much as I maybe they used I think to. it's starting to turn on Adam Silver because what Adam Silver 
Adam Silver is the complete opposite of a lot of these guys. A lot of these guys who are pro sports commissioners, they are very like almost anti-player or new wave about certain things or listening to oh, yeah. advancements in well, certain listen, ideas. No that one might likes be. Rob Manfred. Right. Roger Goodell, I will say this. I think Roger Goodell has actually kind of reached this point in time where like people are fine with him. But really, the thing about Roger Goodell is that now I feel like it's almost more of a meme to hate Roger Goodell. That's fair. Uh, Gary Bettman for the NHL. I don't know why, but people hate him. He's, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's the only commissioner in uh, the major four sports that has been a part of two lockouts. Man. With the, the organ. I mean, they missed the entire so, season. Forget about year. the fans. Clearly, right. the or, the players probably don't like him that much. Yeah, he's but been a part of two lockouts. I mean, Adam Silver, the tide is turning because people are being like, well, now you're giving in too much. You're, you're going into too many of these weird ideas and like, I don't know. Too progressive with okay, it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, pro sports commissioners, kind of a thankless job. The reason they're not higher, though, is a lot of times pro Did sports you say commissioners... It was a thankless job? Dude, they make the bajillion dollars uh, a it's, year. It's thankless by the Benjamins, but it's not... Or it's thankful from the Benjamins. It's not thankful from the people. I I do feel I'm like... I'm sure it's a challenging job. Like, I'm sure you have to deal with a lot of crap. There is parts of it... you get paid a lot of money. Oh, for sure. Like, especially with Roger Goodell... Basically, the reason he's yeah, getting he paid like so much. Forty million a year. I think it's even more than that now. I think he was. I think it's like seventy now. Uh, the reason you're getting paid so much is because you are the lightning rod, the punching bag for people to you know point at the NFL. And so I think to a certain point, um, the reason they're not higher is because a lot of times pro sports commissioners are just the puppet for the owners. Yeah, you that's know. True. Yeah. Number. They eight, just though. always get booed. Yeah. Number seven. Taxi drivers. Again, these are all generalities. What, what do you I, have against taxi I don't drivers? mean to say that, like, if you are this thing, okay, you listen, are. I got to be honest. Yeah. I have not had a single experience with a taxi. I've never been in a taxi. Never I've once? I've never taken a taxi. Do you know what a taxi is? Yes, I know what a taxi is. Okay. So we can it's, start it's there. It's the guys that have lift on their car, right? No. Those are taxis? No. Oh. <laughs> no, taxi drivers are this uh, long-forgotten thing that's like Uber and Lyft, <laughs> but you wouldn't call them on your phone. Well, I mean, you could call them, but you wouldn't like use an app on your phone. Uh, they're still prevalent in places like airports, Las Vegas. I'm sure New York. I've never been to New York, but I'm sure prevalent there. Uh, the reason that yeah. I have taxi drivers on here is because I feel like... So I, the last time I was in a taxi was in Las Vegas. Okay. And we get in the well, car... okay, that's not true. I took a, I took a taxi service in Las Vegas. Okay. And but it was like a minivan. It was not like a regular taxi. Well, it doesn't have to be a taxi cab. It can okay. be a minivan. Okay. Um, and, and we were like, here's where we're going. And the guy's like, uh, he plugs it into it. He has his phone with like the map on. He's like, oh, that's that's not the fastest way to get there. He goes another way, and it ends up taking way longer. Costs oh. way more money. Oh. I think it was a ploy the whole time. Wow. Um, how many? I can't tell you how many taxi drivers I've been in with where they just like cut somebody else off. And you get them honking at you, and they're just driving like overly aggressive. That's definitely like the New York yeah stereotype i think yeah dude when i was in new york i thought i was literally going to die when i was on <laughs> i was i was on a bus i expected death i was like this is it i'm dead everyone's honking their horns this dude's swerving in and out of traffic i was like okay i've made peace with death that's it okay that's well, the end of my life they're in a number seven but i survived miraculously number six dmv employees Ah, this is a good one. So this, this one. one, though, I do think there is weight to okay. stand on. I don't know that DMV employees are terrible. Yeah, their, I don't think they're job. bad. They're just, just mean. They're just mean and also very slow. Correct. Very, very slow. So I do think you get... Dude, the DMV is that place where no matter how, it ha no matter when you go or however it shakes out, it always seems like, like they have their internet is down or there's some 
issue with the DMV, no matter how, whenever you get there. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's like a paradox. Every time you go in, something's wrong. Right. So, like, working slow, that could make you bad at your job. But, yeah, the, the like, meanness factor, maybe that actually makes them good at their job. Maybe they tell them, because yeah, if because all of them are so mean, maybe they tell them, be mean to people. Well, they probably you know? tell them that just to make it things go quicker. I guess. Because it, everything takes so long as it is. Maybe that makes them so good at like, their job. So, it's like, they're like, hey... Don't make chit chat with the people. We're trying to get the line moving here. Yeah. No, I went to, I went to the DMV once with my at the time I forget if it was, she was my girlfriend or my fiance, um, but now my wife. And I just you remember just say wife. Well, at the time she wasn't my wife, but okay, sure. But you can um, just say it anyway. All right, you're right, you're right. All right, I went. I went right? to, I, I guess I, I went to the the DMV with my wife, and um, I just remember like I because I I went up there with her and stuff, and, and like. It was just simple things like like handing the piece of paper and stuff were just like immediately yelled at and berated at. And I remember both of us walking out of there feeling horrible. Like, what did we do wrong? Like, all we did was turn in this piece of paper okay. and this lady just yelled at us. I kind of so got mean. yelled at, but it was sort of my own fault. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's what happened. I was with my dad. I My parents, after I graduated from my master's degree last year, my parents got bought me a new car after graduation, which was great. So it was a brand new car. Well, they bought it in Missouri because that was the that was just the dealership that they wanted to get it from. And I brought it into Kansas. When you do that, when you have a car in one state and bring it to another, there's like a bunch of extra steps you have to go through when you go to like get your plate and everything, right? Well, one of the steps in there is that you have to do you have to submit to like a an inspection mm-hmm. by the like literally by like a highway patrol trooper. However, that is only for used cars. You don't have to do that for new cars. So my dad and I go in and we're like, dude, we got to get this inspection. Like what? Like, you know, and we're talking to you like, dude, we got to get an inspection. And she comes out and she's like, you idiots. This is a new car. You don't need an inspection. We're like, what do you mean? And she's like, dude, it says, and actually did say at the bottom, only for used cars that I didn't read. Mm, So it's kind of my own fault. That's your fault. All right. Are we at number five or number six? uh, Into the top five. Okay. Number five. This is a very, uh, this is the most specific one on the list. (laughs) People who work at Popeye's in Lawrence. This is specifically the Popeye's in Lawrence. I I don't think I've ever been to the Popeye's outside of Lawrence personally, but I've talked to many other people who have. And uh, they're like, oh, no, it's it's always a pleasant experience. I go, I get great, I enjoy my food. Like, everything's fast. It's easy. I get everything on time. If you have ever been to the Popeye's in Lawrence, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. There are times when I mean you you told me a story about having just, to wait like 30 yeah, minutes just, for it. Yeah, the 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 Popeyes and Lawrence is just it's kind of similar to the DMV story where mm-hmm. it's like no matter what time you go, no matter how many people are in line, no matter what the situation is, it always takes like minimum yeah. 20 minutes. Uh, I had one time where I went and I ordered and I was like and, and then you get a side and I was like can I get this and they're like we're out of that and then I was like okay then I, can I get this and they're like we're out of that and I was like can I get this and they're like we're out of that and I was just like well what do you have and they had one thing left so I was just sitting there like why didn't you just tell me that's all you had um, I can't tell you how many times I've been to that Popeyes and they've just been out of like something like like some chicken related thing and it's like uh, what are we doing here um how and many listen, times i've gotten the wrong food i think you i think you could, i've so often gotten the wrong food it's incredible i think you could rephrase this and i think most people would agree with this when it when there's like franchises like that mcdonald's wendy's popeyes you know burger king whatever i know for a fact that there are people that will always say oh in this town this particular one is way worse than the yes, others. Yeah, right? for so sure. Not, not necessarily just specific to Popeyes. It's like whatever fast food place it is, there's oh, always yeah. one place where it's like 
significantly worse than no, I'll show any, other, any other place. The Sonic right by us is amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. The one that the Sonic the other one. Like, what is that? 31st? Uh, yeah, 31st. 31st. Iowa? Horrible. Not nearly as Horrible. good. I had one time the Chipotle. Where, the Chipotle on 6th, not nearly yeah. as good as the one on 23rd. I, I didn't want to let this turn into like complaining about restaurants. <laughs> one time I went to that Sonic on the 31st, and uh, I, I got like a slushy, and it just came out as all liquid. And they were like, sorry, our ice machine's broken. And I'm sitting there like, why, why didn't you they, tell me this? I was say, why wouldn't you tell When I that? ordered it, because now <laughs> I have this, and I don't want to be just drinking now syrup. Have liquid. Yeah. Over there. All right, yeah. into the top four. Number four. Meteorologists. This kind of yeah. goes in line with the yeah. baseball ones. You're wrong too You're much. It's always wrong. Yeah. 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 You can be wrong every day as a meteorologist and never get fired. Right. Like if you just say it's going to be sunny every day and no matter what the weather is, <laughs> you're not going to get fired. That's the thing. Nobody, nobody Cause, can check. Because if somebody's like, hey, you were wrong on the weather, you could just be like, well, it's the weather. I mean, you know, I, it's not a, you know, it's a prediction. It's yeah. not a, you know. Yeah. And I think also with uh, the thing with the weather is that like, like with baseball, we have stats at least, so we can True, be yeah. like, "Oh, you're only hitting 200. You got to go down to the minors, bud." Nobody keeps track of the stats. What of the is weatherman. the equivalent of the weatherman minors? Just like a lower market, like a, like a smaller market. You have to work in like North Dakota, something. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if I wonder if I think we should do that. Being I think a we weatherman should... in certain areas is more difficult than others. Oh, for sure. Like if the weather's more crazy. Like, do you think being a weather person in Kansas is harder than like? San Diego? Yes. Because like in San Diego, it's like of sunny and 78 yeah. every day. Your range is going like to be rain, a lot tougher. Snow, hail, Yeah, wind. for sure. I think we should come up with a service that tracks weathermen and how they do. How close they are to the temperature. How close they are to did it rain, did it not? Okay. Is it sunny, is it something not? That, something that blew my mind regarding the weather. And this actually, this actually also happened in New York. So we keep talking about New York. When I went to New York, I was in my hotel room. I turned on the local TV weather, right? And the weather guy is talking about the weather. This is exactly what he said. He said, there will be gusts of 5 to 10 mile per hour wind today. Gusts of 5 to 10? What are you, high? That's just a regular breeze. That's a that's a nice, calm breeze. Gust? A gust of what? 3 mile per hour wind? What are we? What? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. That's like somebody walking by you and be like, let me sprint by you real quick. Number three. Showrunners for the final season of Game of Thrones. Okay, so I haven't watched Game of Thrones. You have not. So you're going to have to explain this. But they absolutely boofed it. So basically what happened was... So um, what happened? Like The first whatever, I I think there's five books that are out, five books that are out of like the seven, and they're never going to get written at this point. Nonetheless, uh, the first like five seasons of the show were all based on the books. Like season one was book one, season two. But didn't they diverge at some point? Yes, because they ran out of books. Oh. So the guy who wrote the books- Why didn't they just stop doing the show? still working on the last two books. Why didn't they just stop doing the show? Uh, They just, they wanted to finish the show. They didn't want to, you know- Um, so they kept going. So then they eventually, they, they got to a point where they can't rely on the books and they're having to like basically ad lib themselves, stuff. right? And uh, yeah, it got a little messy at the end to say the least. Um, I did hear that people did not like the finale. Yeah, things felt rushed. Things just like you had character arcs of characters where they where they went all the way from this one thing to a completely different thing and then like literally one episode later it would be their final episode and they would go back to the original thing as if nothing happened uh mm, i remember there was just small little things so too wait, there was a scene where somebody had a starbucks cup the writers because the showrunners are the ones that put it together okay like the the, the, so sh- not the story arc or whatever okay. yeah i guess the writers would be in this too yeah they just completely boofed it <laughs> you had a great show and then you just tanked it at the end there 
Number two. NCAA investigators. People are part of the investigation team. One. Takes forever. Takes forever. not really very good. We're seeing that right now. Two, it's not very good. Three, it's inconsistent. Yeah. You'll see some people punished, some people not. You'll see some people punished more or less than others. Some people who try to be like, contrite about it, be like, oh, sorry. They get punished harder than other people who fight back. Yeah, there's no... There is no. absolutely zero consistency with those guys. And then you see, like, common sense stuff get ignored. Like, um, oh, gosh, what was the name of the receiver? There was this receiver for Ohio State, uh, Devere Posey, I want to say. That could be wrong. Uh, but he was on the team with, like, Terrell Pryor. And um, Oh, is this when they did autographs and stuff or whatever? Yeah, this was around that era. Because didn't Terrell Pryor... Do like sign some autographs for a free tattoo? Yes, it was something like that. So what happened was this Devere Posey guy, he was a really good receiver. And he uh he worked over the summer at this car wash that was owned by like one of the biggest Ohio State boosters. Uh. And so the NCAA was like red flag. They're paying him <laughs> under the table. So they went and they investigated, they looked at all his like pay stubs, pay everything. They found out he was overpaid by three dollars and seven cents. What? And he was suspended for nine games. Dude, he was so he was suspended for every game. He was suspended like thirty cents. Yeah, or for every thirty cents over here, and he was suspended basically for one game. Yep. So NCAA wow. investigators number two, despicable. Number one. But the number one on the list. This was a clear number one for me. Stormtroopers. Stormtroopers <laughs> are horrible at their job in Star Wars. They yeah. can't hit anything. Yeah. Well, it makes you question what kind of training they do. Like what like like for instance, if you or I right now signed up to be a stormtrooper, would they just say yes? Yeah, I think so. I mean, clearly there's here's no Here's your gun, here's your armor, good luck. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, clearly no there's orders. no baseline no. of any sort of training of any kind. Worst with their job all the time. The, the biggest question is, what do they do all day? <laughs> like what do they do? Just stand guard. Just stand places. Like they don't have a firing range where they can practice shooting nope. at all. No, nope. they don't have any sort of training of any kind. Or, or maybe they're just recruiting the most like ill-coordinated people of all time. Why would they do that though? I don't know, dude. dude I dude, don't know. You they, don't have an explanation. I don't because there's no reason that they can't hit anyone ever, <laughs> ever. It, it is. It is very shocking. Yeah, I think you could just honestly change that to just bad guy aim in any movie. <laughs> Bad guy shooting a gun at, at somebody. In any yeah. movie. Yes. Bad guy aim. Yeah. Bad guy. Specifically at the hero. True. Yeah. Never hit him. Yeah. Because there will be other times where they just. Hit an ancillary character. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 They can take those guys out easy. Yeah. No problem. That's for sure. All right. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our top 10 people bad at their job list on RCST. We've got our RCST pair of ticket giveaway coming up next. Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports will join us after that. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and we're joined now by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. You might also recognize Kevin, who uh, wrote the page this year for Kansas football in the Athlon Sports Preview Magazine. We'll get to that a little bit later here. I, I do want to bring something up uh, off the sports path, though, first. Over the last like week or two, I have seen you post on social media about you know trying all sorts of these whiskeys in New York <laughs> and getting to drink Pappy. You, you got to eat a bourbon bacon caramel cheesecake for your birthday, which, happy birthday, by the way. 
Uh, so Thank I mean, what, what what is the best thing that you have you have eaten, or or just I guess not even eaten because I want to include the the stuff you drank too. What is the best thing you've tasted over the last few weeks? Well, if I I don't say the cake, I feel like you know my mom's going to come for me. So you know that that that's probably the uh, the best answer for everyone on the show's safety. You know, is but uh, it was really good though, and you know it, I'll, I'll admit, you know I I obviously am am a bourbon fan and was very very excited uh, to to taste the different bourbons and everything, and yet when I heard. Hey, your birthday cake is bourbon baking caramel cheesecake. <laughs> uh, I think my first thought wasn't, you know, oh, that sounds amazing as much as, oh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> and so, you, you know, after uh, after trying it, though, it, it worked. I mean, it, it all went together really, really well. It was, it was really rich, though. It's not one of those where you can take just like a giant slice and, and go off into the corner with yourself. You uh, you actually have to watch out a little bit because because uh, it'll sneak up and get you with how rich that <laughs> thing is. Yeah, cheesecakes tend to do that, but absolutely delicious. Uh, so uh, back to the the sports side of things. I don't even know how to transition from that, but um, <laughs> uh, we saw the NBA draft decisions come down. We saw some more transfers come down, like Ray J. Dennis going to Baylor. Um, now that we have most of these decisions come and gone, obviously still waiting on a couple players, whether it's Oliver and Kamwa or uh, maybe Arthur Kaluma, some different players that could wind up in the Big 12. Um, I, I have the top three tiers here I have given titles to for the Big 12. Big 12 title favorites is tier one, Big 12 title dark horses in tier two, and competitive Big 12 teams that should at least make the NCAA tournament in tier three. Uh, let's start with tier one. Who do you view right now as being the Big 12 title favorites? I, I think it's kind of Kansas and Houston. Um, I, I do think there are some teams that you could maybe call it in that tier and like a half step below, but uh, I think when it comes down to it, you know, Kansas obviously, you know, is probably going to be your preseason number one team in the country. If they aren't, they're going to be number two. And so, you know, Kansas would certainly be in that discussion. Houston's the only other Big 12 team that we had in our top 10. And, and I mean, we considered a couple as far as like top 15, but generally speaking, when you're talking about the teams that are kind of that half step down, they were kind of in that 16, 17 to, to 25 or 26 range. And so uh, I do think the the title favorites, it, it's probably a field of two as it stands right now. That that could maybe change a little bit. Like you said, you know, you look at, at Baylor, I think Baylor is in it for Grant Nelson. I think Baylor is in it for Kamala. And I don't know that they would, that they would get both, but I think Baylor has a chance to kind of step up significantly from from where it was, say, even two weeks ago. But as of right now, I think that's a two-team discussion. Okay, Tier 2, Dark Horses. Oh. Who would go there? Dark Horses, I think you've got Texas. And, you know, Texas, I think, has a, has a really nice starting lineup. I, the question for me is, Texas was, I think, so good in part last year because they were so deep. And I don't, I look at that roster and I don't see, you know, Serge Jabari Rice coming off the bench. I don't see Arterio Morris coming off the bench for that matter. I don't see, you know, maybe Caden Shedrick is, is a solid replacement for Christian Bishop. But generally speaking, I don't see the depth on that roster that you saw 
in this year's group. You're counting on Dylan Mitchell to take a major step forward, I think, on the wing. Uh, from a shooting standpoint, I think there are some concerns there, but I still think that's, that's a team that's up there. I think TCU is in that discussion. West Virginia is another one, and and West Virginia, it feels like, is in play for every transfer in the history of mankind. <laughs> and so, you know, we'll be it, it'll be interesting to see how all those pieces fit together because I think a lot of people that watch West Virginia feel like that's a group that, if everything comes together, could be really good, but also maybe has a little bit of flammability to it. And so, you know, it's, uh, it, it's one that it, if everything is working out and, and everybody's playing well and in harmony, then yeah, they, that's a program that that could look uh, could look pretty good and like one of the Big 12's tougher teams. And if things aren't going well, you drop a game or two, you're you're not supposed to. It's it's also a team that could maybe underachieve a little bit. Then the other team that I think is is probably right around that group or or so is Baylor. I think. The, the tough thing with Baylor is, and you do get Ray J. Dennis, you do get you know some of the guys that they've got there, but that was a program last year that you know didn't really defend anybody, especially down the stretch. And when you look at the one part of that program that was really a strength, it, it was that backcourt, and all those guys are gone. And so with the exception of Langston Love, who wasn't you know one of their starters, arguably, you know, you could – you could look at, you know, the role that Dale Bonner even played off the bench being gone. And so that's my concern with that group with Baylor is just you have you have on paper what looks like, hey, this this thing's coming together a little bit. Jacoby Walter obviously coming in as well, you know, as a, from a freshman standpoint. But at the same time, I just think, man, this is a program that's that's hitting the reset button in a lot of ways with a lot of new guys. Well, and then the last tier that I'm giving you here is is tier three, which is uh, teams that probably won't contend for the Big Twelve title, but but should at least be NCAA tournament type teams. Who would go in there? Yeah, that's that that could actually be the toughest one because it may be, be a lot the deepest group, right? Because you could look at it and probably see about thirty five teams. I feel like that you would think could fit into that discussion. Like Iowa State is going to defend the snot out of everybody all over again. And how is Iowa State going to score all over again? And so it's a very similar question that we've seen with that program. Texas Tech is so hard to figure out at this point that I'm not really even sure I feel comfortable putting Texas Tech there. Uh, I think Oklahoma is really interesting in terms of uh, in terms of having a roster that's maybe a little bit a little bit better than what people think maybe when you look at McCollum you know getting added to that group when you look at the uh, the center from Pittsburgh Hughley who was really good 2 years ago but kind of had a rough year last year you know that's a situation if you're Oklahoma and I I think we can all admit Oklahoma's problem last year was just they were so under-talented compared to the rest of the Big 12. And so when you look at, at a guy who can coach like Porter Mosier can, and a lot of the stuff that they run is, is really good and really fun, and and you you say, man, if they just had players there, maybe you swing on a guy like Hugh Lee. And if he connects, I think he was like a 15-8 and eight guy two years ago. 
if he's that guy again, Oklahoma's maybe reaching the NCAA tournament. And if he has a year like he did last year where he's not even averaging 10 a game, then maybe Oklahoma isn't. And so I, I think that's a big part of it. The new teams are, are so hard to get a feel for, I, I think, because I think there's a scenario where Cincinnati with some of the guys they've come, that are coming back where they surprise a little bit. I also think there's a scenario where Cincinnati finishes like 11th in the league. And so I do think it gets, it gets a lot hairier after those first, you know, six or seven teams in the conference for next year. I do think Kansas State will be one that's, that's really interesting to watch when you look at, you know, Cam Carter, you know, possibly taking a step forward, getting Tyler Perry. That's looking like a pretty good, uh, a pretty good backcourt. You add in Naquan Tomlin and some of the guys with some length that they have there. I do think Kansas State, you know, maybe I wouldn't sleep on Kansas State as much as all of us did last year. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to go back to the Elite Eight, but I do think Kansas State maybe has a little bit of that element of danger to them as well. Talking with Kevin Flaherty here of 24-7 Sports. So as I mentioned when we brought you on, you got to write the page on Kansas football for the Athlon Sports preseason magazine. And uh, the, the quote that I want to go to is, is you mentioning the defense. The first sentence reads, this group will determine whether the Jayhawks are merely exciting or actually good. To that note, is the expectation that this is going to be one of the two or three worst defenses in the Big 12? And I guess continuing off of that, what happens if they're even just average, if they're just like middle of the pack in the conference? Yeah, if I mean uh, I'm answering them backwards. <laughs> if they're if they're just average, I I think you're talking about an eight or a nine win team and a team that, like I said, is is legitimately good. Kansas's defense doesn't need to be lights out with returning not just you know ten starters off of last year's team, not just with the guys that they've added in, you know, but also returning I think every guy who had at least five catches last year. I mean, you're not just returning your starters, you're returning basically every piece of consequence in adding to that on offense. And so the defense doesn't need to be a top 25 group for Kansas to be successful. Now, I think the the trouble with, with Kansas defensively is we just don't know what to expect from the front just yet. I mean, they've got some guys who are good players in theory, guys that We've seen have some success at other stops. You know, Devin Phillips being a guy, you know, at nose tackle, I think could could have a major impact. We've talked at length about the defensive end transfers, but those are guys that we have not seen suit up for the University of Kansas on a football field on Saturdays. And so I do like, you know, the potential of Tommy Dunn to develop into, you know, kind of a guy, you know, a defensive tackle. And you look at it, too, we always talk about all the guys they return on offense. They return three starters at linebacker and four starters in the secondary, too. And so while a lot of people would say that's your classic good news, bad news scenario, you know, the good news is you bring those guys back. The bad news is, is as a group, you know, they kind of struggled last year. There was a lot of youth in that group, and so I do think that they're going to get better there, but at the same time, if you're really struggling up front, if you're not generating pressure, if you're not being able to you know, free up your guys at the second and third level to run the ball to stop the run, then it, it really hurts your defense and makes it really tough to, to catch up. You, 
can't have a, a good defense, I don't feel like, without being at least good up front. And so I do think that that's the major question because if that defensive line doesn't come together, if if things go badly on on that side of the ball on, on the defensive line, then then Kansas is probably going to struggle quite a bit defensively. But I do think that they've got some talent. They've got some guys to develop, and and not just for this year, but for the next few years as well. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and and they were asking me, you know, where how good is this Kansas offense? Like, where would you rank it in the Big Twelve? And you know, you start thinking out loud, and there's a lot of really good offenses in the Big Twelve, obviously. Um, Oklahoma with Dylan Gabriel back. Uh, we'll see what Texas does with another year with Quinn Ewers back. Obviously, TCU was super explosive last year. How do they look this year after losing a bunch of pieces? Kansas State should have a good offense. I mean, Texas Tech, like you go down the list. Houston even, right? There, there's so many good ones. Where do you think realistically, like what range would you put Kansas as being, I don't know, are they, are they, are they a top three offense? Are they a top five offense uh, in the Big 12 this year? I think they're a top five offense, and I think there's top three upside for sure. I the the tough thing about Texas is one, you know, Bijan Robinson was so unbelievable. <laughs> one and two, we're all counting on this improvement from Quinn Ewers. And, and granted, Steve Sarkeesian quarterbacks do generally tend to improve quite a bit, you know, as they have time in the system. But I feel like a lot of us lock into what Quinn Ewers was in that first quarter against Alabama, do we not? Like, I, I feel like that's kind of the expectation, and we all just say, oh, that, that's going to be Quinn Ewers. And and the the truth is, you know, Texas is going to be really good up front offensively. They're going to be really physical. They've got so many weapons in the receiving core that Quinn Ewers doesn't need to be Bryce Young. But the flip side of that is, is – they had a lot of weapons last year, and there were games like when Texas lost to TCU, Quinn Ewers just didn't have it enough on that day. And so I do think there are some questions there. Oklahoma, the wide receiver position, kind of gives me pause, especially early in the year. You know, that's a that's a system when you look at Jeff Levy's system, and, you know, it's, it's the old Baylor system under Art Bryles, you know, they call it the beer and shoot. It's a system that's dependent on wide receivers basically being able to run away from your guys. And Oklahoma doesn't have that kind of receiving core, I don't think, right now. Now, they did get a guy like Brendan Thompson out of Texas and and some guys like that. But, you know, Brendan Thompson, is he going to go from, you know, not really playing at Texas to all of a sudden being a guy that is going to be a 900-yard receiver and is going to make your defense terrified, you know, right off the bat at Oklahoma, I I don't know. And so I do think there are questions at some of these some of these other places. I think TCU is a really interesting case study because obviously you look at, you know, they were kind of a three-headed dragon last year and those three heads are are gone and yet any TCU fan will tell you, well, Chandler Morris beat out Max Duggan to start last mm-hmm. year. And, you know, they got some interesting wide receiver transfers, and they do have some good running backs. But I, I'm not sure if if that means, hey, this is a team that's going to average 40 points a game or, or what the deal is. And so I do think Kansas is in sort of that three to five range as far as offense heading into next year. Well, Kevin, before we let you go, our uh, typical segment of the week, who is the local prospect of the week? Yeah, yeah. This week we've got to give a shout-out to uh, to Gavin Hoffman, the uh, tight end out of Blue Valley Northwest. 
He's a, a six foot five guy. We actually saw him at a camp, or not a camp, a seven on seven last summer, and went up to uh, to Coach Clint Ryder over there and said, "Who is this guy?" And he says, "Yeah, he, he he looks really good, but he hasn't played a down of varsity football yet." And and all of a sudden, you know, he plays last year, looks pretty good. But he, he's a really good athlete, Derek. And when I say really good athlete, again, he's a tight end. He's between 210 and 220 pounds probably. He went to Missouri's camp and ran a 4.56 40-yard dash, had a vertical jump of 40 and a half inches. And so when you're, when you're talking about those measurables, he did it at Missouri's camp, and all of a sudden, it was like phones went off in every Big Ten office uh, across the uh, across the conference, and, and so over the last I think two days, he's gotten four or five different Big Ten offers. He's got Nebraska, he's got Iowa, which knows a thing or two about tight ends who are built like he is. You know, having a lot of success. He's gotten offers from Purdue. I I know there's some, Illinois is another one. So I mean, he's a He's a guy that, that kind of entered this spring, didn't have the offers. I, I know a Mac team or two, they were kind of taking a look at him and saying, this guy's really intriguing. And now we're looking at a guy that, you know, if this pace keeps up, he's going to wind up with 25 offers just with the way things are going right now. So uh, Gavin's, uh, Gavin's having a pretty good week uh, from an offer standpoint. He's having a great week from an offer standpoint. You're having a great week or two from a uh, taste bud standpoint. Kevin, I appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, that's Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Two hours down, one to go uh, into Do We Give a Bleep, a segment coming up next. Then we got some Dewan Harris audio after that with Nick Springer, Derek Johnson. This is RCST. Five o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We uh, will have some KU basketball audio with Dewan Harris coming up in our next segment. But before we get to that, we have another wonderful edition of the segment called Do We Give a Bleep? Where we discuss if we give a bleep <laughs> about a bleep? certain things in the sports world. First up, uh, this was all over the NBA news cycle yesterday. Kyrie Irving has reached out to LeBron James about joining the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. I think we have to not give a bleep because if we do, then this will just be the only thing that anybody talks about for the next forever. Okay. Okay, here's the thing. First of all, what is Kyrie Irving doing? Okay? This is more, listen, this is more difficult for me to follow than like a soap opera. Does Kyrie, do Kyrie and LeBron like each other? Do they dislike each other? What, like, what, what is going on? What, what, what new storyline have we just gotten to with this? I don't understand. I have no idea. And also, you know what You know what the crazy thing about this is? Hmm. Kyrie Irving is a free agent this offseason. Yeah. So why is he saying come to Dallas if he might not even I, be there? I do think he has like a team, or not a team option, a player option. So I guess he, or he could just re-sign with the team. Dude, right? I just don't understand. Like, this is like, this is like I'm trying to sit down and watch The Bachelor. And I just can't keep track of what the hell's going on. I just, I don't know. I, I can't figure it out. I have no idea. That's fair. And I think Kyrie Irving needs to be questioned for his sanity. What is he? What? I think people have already had that question with Kyrie, but to be like fair. Even, I know, even further, though. I don't understand. There's no way LeBron actually is going to leave L.A. to go no. join him, right? No. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand what the angle is. Yeah, I definitely don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think that... It's interesting if you view it from the standpoint of First like. Of all, okay. Quick, well, wait. Hold on. What, yeah. 
if the if the Nuggets had won Game Two, how triggered would Mike Malone be? Very, very. <laughs> yes. No, that 100 percent would happen. Um, well, okay. So like with the idea of going to Dallas is, is oops is kind of interesting. Punched your mic. Yeah, I know. Uh, because Luka Doncic is there. So you have another guy who can like handle the load, and sure. you have an older LeBron who can get through the season better. You would think that at some point LeBron would need to take on more of a right. tertiary role right. in a team, which like I guess the idea with the Lakers is like it would be Anthony Davis, but the dude is made of glass, yeah. so it doesn't work. And then you also have the idea that if you go to Dallas untaxed, no state income tax, so like it does in that way make more sense to go to Why Dallas than meeting up in heat? LA. Why doesn't he just go back? I to guess the heat he, they could do that too, but like. Did the Heat want him? Did the Heat have the cap to have? I, I don't know. I don't think this is going to happen, to be clear, but I, I could see Kyrie ending up with, with L.A. Um, well, yeah, because wasn't he? Wasn't there a chance he was going to, like, last year? Yeah, there's a chance they could have traded for him, but but they ended up trading for some other players, turned their season around, all that stuff. Uh, I'll be honest, though, I don't really give a bleep. No. I, uh, but like I said, I don't really either, but I think you have to, or I think you don't have to, because if you do... Then it's just going to become like the twenty-four-seven news cycle of like tracking Kyrie Irving's phone, and tracking LeBron James's phone. So no, I don't give a bleep about it. Okay. Uh, okay. Next up on do we give a bleep? We have the Apple Vision Pro. Okay. For those that don't know what this is, maybe didn't see on Monday, Apple released uh, their iteration of like VR headset type stuff. They called it the Vision Pro. And it's like $3,500. Very expensive, first of all. And also, they look like ski goggles. You put it on, and it's like... But, okay, it's not... It's... it's From what I've seen, it's not like true VR. It's like... It still is like real life, but then there's VR stuff in it, I think. Is that right? I, that was my interpretation. Well, I don't know that... Like, it's, you put the goggles on, and it's like, you're not in VR, but, like, there's, like... A, you can have the screen like in yeah. front of your eyes and like it's yeah like, that's kind of a good point like when you think virtual like iron, reality like iron man vibe sure sort With, of. yes yes that's what more i got like when you think virtual reality you're right you think that you're in this like other world yeah. in reality you're seeing everything like normal but you just have like like you said the iron man screens where you can be like oh i'm watching tv and you use your arm to pull another screen to the side and you can get on the internet with yeah, your it's just it's dumb. so a couple things here one it's 3500 bucks that's a lot of problem money. that's Two, a lot of money how is this just gonna like? Are you even gonna be able to do this? Imagine being on on like a very average Wi-Fi and trying yeah, to use terrible. like five screens at once on these goggles, and it's just like circling yeah. the load button for the whole okay, time. Okay, I have a serious question. Yeah. Why do these companies continue to jam VR into like this, like down our throats, basically? What is they the purpose? They think that's what we want. Okay, what do you think is more likely? Do you think it's more likely that this becomes the norm and that this evolves into something that is eventually? more cost affordable and something that instead of these giant goggles that you have to wear in your living room become like glasses well, okay. or contacts. See, that's what I was thinking. Isn't th I'm pretty sure isn't there a sh wasn't there a show where like Black could, Mirror. Well, that was Black Mirror yeah. where you put in contacts and like you can I don't even know if it's contacts. Stuff. It might have been in your brain or something that went through your eye. Um which oh, maybe this is going to link up pretty, with the the Neuralink thing with Elon Musk. That's pretty messed up. Right. Um so dude, I don't want any crap in my brain. Well, of I course. got enough crap in my brain as it is. <laughs> okay, but what's more likely? It's going to evolve into that or that it's going to be the, remember when 3D TVs, they were like, this is the wave of the future. Yes. You can buy your 3D, and then nobody bought them. Nobody cared. It wasn't worth the price. Dude, Which of these That's paths? because for people like me who already wear glasses, 3D TVs are impossible. 
Because you now you're telling me I got to wear two pairs of glasses to see a shark come out of my TV yeah. at me? No rude. thanks. Just rude. Yeah. What I mean, what are we doing? So I would think that this is going to not work, but I don't know. That's what you thought about like Oculus and whatever whatever Facebook's is called and all that crap, and they still keep making them. So I don't know. I, I do think it's more likely to succeed with the evolution of it and stuff, but I, I'm so not really... I, I give a bleep in terms of what this means for the future of technology, of yeah. like in a negative way potentially, but I don't give a bleep about this particular Vision Apple Vision Pro. Yes, correct, because I won't be buying it, and I don't want to be wearing goggles around my house all day. Yes. Not, I go home, and I try to relax. You take your shoes off, you kick back, you know, not my thing. Yeah. Um, okay, PGA and the Live Golf Tour are merging. This was very big news today. Do you give Yeah, this was really huge news this morning. Kind of broke out of nowhere where for the last, what, like almost two years now since the Live was created, the, they were in this intense public heated battle over, you know, guys defecting from PGA to go play for Live and all this Taking money huge involved. huge contracts, yeah. yeah. And all, the, all the money involved and like where's the money coming from and like all that stuff. And the PGA was pretty much blasting them all along. And then they basically just did a complete 180 this morning. And supposedly, from what we're seeing from reports, didn't tell anybody, not even their own players, that they were going to do this. And then all of a sudden, bam, they merged. So, I I don't know. I think I have to give a bleep. Here, Here's the reason why I give a bleep. I think where this could spiral out of control is... It has now become clear that if you have enough money, you can buy anything. Okay, so what what happens if the you know the Saudi the live guys or whatever the Saudi Arabia whoever's backing them, what if they go to the NFL and they're like, we want to buy the NFL for like fifty billion dollars? I mean, what I mean what what's stopping them from just buying every sport? Or buying every industry. Well, still, there they were, so I don't, I, they were reciprocating people's stuff to accept it, which that was what was so surprising here, that the PGA Tour and that their commissioner, Jay Monahan or CEO, whatever his title is, after bashing the, the Live yeah, Jay Tour. Jay Monahan is getting, is getting yes. flamed. Because, like, it, it sucks, especially for some of the golfers who were so spoken out against it and took crap yeah, for it on both sides, like Rory McIlroy stuff. they were staying loyal, yes. and then they just got stabbed in the back. Yes, they were staying loyal. They didn't take the money. They... Um, spoke out against the civil rights issues uh, with Saudi Arabia and stuff. And now the PGA, who was basically supportive of that, was basically like, at the end of the day, all we care about is money. Because at the end of the day, that's all they have to gain from this. The Live Tour was getting horrible ratings on CW. It wasn't yeah, I really... I, I, my guess would be that the PGA they're just, they just want realized, realized that Live Golf had incredible, incredible financial backing and that they were not going to quit on live and that over time it was just going to keep eroding the PGA. That 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 to me is like I guess my the logic that I take away is like the PGA was like okay, here's this rival tour that it while it while it's going to die in terms of like ratings and popularity, the people backing it have so much money that they don't care about how much money they're wasting. They're just going to keep supporting it to keep eroding the PGA. Yeah. So they were like, I guess we'll just have to give in and, and merge. I yeah. don't know. I, I, I don't know. I do give a bleep, though. I think this is a, a pretty big story. I, I give a bleep in terms of, like I said, the potential future ramifications. Yes. Okay, this uh, is a story from On3. College football players are discussing, discussing potential holdouts over NIL payments for the next EA Sports college football uh, video game. So, Dude. What this basically Why means. are they trying to block this great thing from coming back? Um, 
so this and, and Jalen Daniels was actually in this story. Uh, so this is from the story. Before a reporter finished asking Kansas's reigning All Big Twelve Second Team quarterback Jalen Daniels whether or not he could see high-profile players, especially those with agents, trying to negotiate for more money, Daniels said that he could. Yes, yes, I can definitely see that. I could definitely see it, especially with the highest college football players that are in the nation right now. If they're getting paid, as you know, somebody who a lot of people really don't know of, and they're the uh, the most known person in college football, I can definitely see their agent saying, all right, what's going on here? So you're going to have certain players who are, like there's going to be certain players where the EA Sports video game, just to get them in the game, is going to be like, do you want a free copy? We'll give you a free copy, and will you join? And if they're like a third string on Akron, they'll be like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. But there's going to be certain players where if you're, yeah, like, uh, okay, but, Caleb Williams, the so, USC, you're going to be like, no, I want you got to so pay me real money. My understanding is that for like the Madden games, there is like a specific. It's just an agreement, CBA, I believe, with the NFL and the NFLPA. Yeah, yeah that they get to like, use their player rights. Yeah, so but like, they, you why can't, can't have college football do something because there's not a players' like association, overarching thing. There's not like, a players' why association. Well, why can't and, like the conferences or like God forbid the NCAA do something? Well, there's part of the problem. You would have to do something a different deal with every conference. On top of that, the conferences don't have the, the necessarily the player rights here. That's individual to player. And so, whereas in the NFL, it's under the NFLPA, which covers the whole players. You have to talk to every individual player you want in the game. And That's you could just, say, why could college not just make their own players association they tried remember when northwestern did it and it got shot down i do remember that so that's the problem with this tried to well northwestern i don't remember what sport it was but they tried to unionize football football? honestly though i don't really give a bleep about this because either way whether the players in the game or not somebody's just going to create a roster and make the player so i'm not concerned i give a bleep because why would you continue to try and block the return of this fantastic game that everyone wants so badly like dude just be like yeah sure whatever cares yeah if you're a really good cultural player you're gonna make a lot of money anyways what does it matter yeah all right that is Bring joy uh, to the people that is do we give a bleep he's nick springer i'm Derek johnson this is rock chalk sports talk dewan harris audio next thanks for listening to the best of rcst podcast and a reminder you can catch our show monday through friday from three to six live on klwn and lawrence 101.7 fm 1320 a.m or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the klwn app Thanks for listening.